All right. Well, yes, today we are back with our guy, Moses, the man, the myth, the prince of Egypt, who became the leader of a brand new nation known as Israel. And we were talking a little bit about what's been going on. And today, as we just heard from Paul, as he read, this is a huge turning point. If you don't know the background of this story, this is basically where uh, everything changes for the course of about four decades. Four decades change at this moment that we just talked about that Paul just read from Numbers chapter 13. Now, just to make sure you remember, we've been just kind of in the book of Exodus and we're moving forward because we're getting rapidly towards the end of our time around the life and the story of Moses. But let me just kind of share with you and be reminding you, we, we just received the Ten Commandments. We were at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and God was kind of speaking to his people, especially through Moses, and they are about to go into the promised land. And in the process of that, they have waited a number of months. So let's talk about where we've been. Real quickly, when God comes to, oh, yeah, we go there, the origin story of a nation, the Jew, Jewish boy who is the prince of Egypt, and then we talked about God's will my way. Then we talked about burning bushes and second chances uh, when Moses received that call to go and do God's will, God's way. And then we talked about the Passover and the Exodus that begins and then the Red Sea, kind of the completion of that Exodus story. Then we talked about heaven's provisions versus earth's appetites as we looked at how God made the provision for roughly about 2 million people on a daily basis, twice a day, for them to be able to be out in the middle of a desert and yet still survive as they moved around as God led them. Today, pardon me, last week we talked about when God comes to meet man, how God came down on Mount Sinai and met with Moses and today we're talking about promised land and a missed opportunity. So let's talk a little bit about what happens here. If you know this story and you know a little bit of the background, what Paul just read, he picked up in the middle. And if you kind of look at this map, you can see Mount Sinai down here at the bottom right-hand corner. You guys all with me? You see that? And then you look up at the very top, kind of at about maybe... Uh, 75-85% of the way over you see the name Israel. That's where modern Israel is. Down here is Mount Sinai where we kind of pick up the story. They get together. They've spent a number of years, actually two years there at Mount Sinai, just getting things together and moving towards where God wants them to be in Israel, that promised land that he has given them. And as they start kind of migrating up that direction, they're going that way. On the outskirts of it, and as they come to the edge of it, they decide that they're going to go and send 12 spies, one from each one of the tribes of Israel. As they send them in to look at it, they would assume that since, hey, God is leading us, God has promised this land to us, that's why they call it the promised land, God has already told us that we're going to receive this land from him and from his hand. So let's just kind of check it out, see where we're heading. But this is not what happens. If you just heard the passage that Paul read, the part of the passage towards the end of the chapter, they go in and they come back. And instead of just simply saying, this is what we saw, these are the things that we brought back to kind of give you an idea of what we're looking at. They said, okay, bad news, this isn't going to work. Now, okay, stop for just a second. Let's think about this. How are they surviving every single day, twice a day, 
It's God visiting them in a tangible way. I am going to provide for you. You can't find food in this desert. That's okay because I've got you. You guys understand what's going on? And then these guys decide, bad news, we're not going to be able to do this. Okay, they're right and they're wrong. They're, they're very right and they're oh so wrong, right? Where, where they're like, yes, you cannot do this. But the God who promised that he would take care of you and the God who promised that he had a land for you to go into has said he's going to drive them out in front of you. You guys with me? Y'all, y'all understand what's going on here? And in the process of it all, they put fear in the hearts of the people and they say, oh, they've seen it. And how many of you guys have realized something? The truth of the matter is, is that the thing that we fear the most is what we don't understand and haven't really got a grasp on, right? I mean, most of the time, if we could just get our hands around something, even if it's not our favorite thing, even if it's a little scary, it just kind of takes away the mystique that is this far distant thing that we just don't understand. But when we get to kind of see here, these men have seen it and everybody else has not. And they decide that they'll listen to the 12, not to the two, pardon me, the 10, but not the two, because there's 12. Two of them are saying, yes, we can do this with God's help because he's already brought us through. Joshua and Caleb. Not Caleb T, but Caleb. All right, I just had to throw you in one more time just to make sure you were awake, and you are, so good, good on you. Uh, so yes, that's the thing. And so here they are, they're listening to the 10 and not the two. They're listening to the negative instead of the positive. They're listening to the fear instead of the faith. Now, I want to just kind of share this with you very quickly, and I want to make sure that we all understand. This is the promised land timeline. These are the things that happen just in very, very rapid succession. Boom, 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 boom. And then about two years between when Moses comes down and when they are on the edge of the promised land and send the spies in. You guys all with me? How much can change in two years? (laughs) Oh my goodness, how much can change in two years? Can I get an amen for anybody who's been through COVID, right? I mean, how much can change in two years? Now, I want to talk about where they were. And I'm glad that I pretended that you asked, how does this apply to us? Because I'm about to show you. Okay, so let's go to our next slide here. And this is, it's not all sunshine. They're there at the base of the mountain. And you would think that, hey, they've literally heard from God. Thunder and lightning, God's fingers writing scripture and and the, the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone and sending it down. But it isn't all sunshine. There, two years have passed as they've waited past that time. They had that golden calf incident. We didn't go into it, but probably you've already heard about that, that whole thing. That was not their finest hour or their finest moment. God was very angry when that all happened. There have been loads and loads and loads of grumbling and complaining. And Moses has been questioned even by, wait for it, his family, even by his family, by Aaron And Miriam, his brother and his sister, they've questioned him just like everybody else in the whole nation has seemed to have a problem with Moses as the leader. I mean, they're not looking around and going, you know what, we're still alive. And you know what, we're not enslaved in Egypt any longer, but we don't have respect for this guy Moses, even though God is using him in his, you know, direction. It's crazy how this is all happening, but I'm glad I pretended that you thought well, how does this apply? Because here's how it applies. Can you imagine? I mean, look at our next slide here. It's not all sunshine now either. 
Two years have passed, just like two years of COVID. The golden calf incident, there are moral issues that have happened and come and gone. Grumbling and complaining, I mean, talk about a lack of unity, man. Y'all remember what it was like there for the first six months or so of COVID? I didn't care. Like, hey, congratulations. It's great to see you. The sky is blue. And they're like, no, it's not. How dare you tell me what those guys, you know what I'm saying? Like there was a lack of unity and it wasn't just me. It wasn't just you. It was all of us. We could not agree on anything. Can I get an amen? I guess that's the only thing that we could agree on. That and that the Tiger King was a messed up situation that probably needed COVID to be something, right? Can I get an amen on that? All right. All right. By the way, I finished Netflix during COVID and I got to the very end of it and it's pretty good. You know, there's some good stuff. Just FYI. Uh, Yeah, but then Moses was questioned by Miriam and his brother Aaron. I mean, nobody had family issues during COVID. I know that's true, you know, because you got to spend all that time together and that didn't hurt at all. And none of y'all had to go to get-togethers and decide what you agreed on and didn't agree on and how you felt about the whole political situation and all that because none of that happened at all, right? You see where I'm going with this? What a big change can come along in two years. Now, I'm going to stop for a second. I'm not just trying to be funny. But there are people that were very, very close to God two years ago who are not now. There are people that were on a track towards God's plan for their life that got put on a two-year hold and they've never picked it back up even though they've picked up everything else in their life. Am I right? So what a big difference two years can make. So we want to get on these people and be like, what are they thinking? Man, what are we thinking? What are they thinking? How could they dare? How could we dare? Like, I don't get me sometimes. I don't get what I don't do when I know I oughta. And I don't get what I do when I know I ought not oughta. I guess I'm the only one. All of us, right? Because it's human nature. And what a difference two years can make. But here is the beautiful thing that God's promises remain. And he is faithful even when we are not faithful, as his word says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, y'all know the rest, and forever. And he is God. And we change, and we drift, and he is our anchor. And if you are a person who just looks within and says, you know what, yeah, I was on a path, man, and I was going in a good direction, but something has just shifted in the last couple of years in a big way. Man, I I can't undo two years, but I know who can. And I can't tell you the pathway back because I'm just a guy, but I can tell you who can show you the path. And I can tell you who can be the one who encourages you and says, you know what, you have lost motivation and you have lost momentum, but you have not lost me I am still God and I am still concerned about you and I still want to see this done and accomplished in your life. I'm still here. Just give it to me and allow me to move within your heart, within your life, within your circumstances 
God still wants the same things that he promised you, just like he wants the same things that he promised me, just like he wants the same things that he promised the Israelites. Can I get an amen? Amen? Okay. All right. So let's keep moving. Y'all have figured it out. If y'all give me a good amen, I'm like, okay, on to the next slide and we get done quicker. So that's good. So they're sending out the spies. They had two years at Sinai. They've been forgetting, but God has provided every single day And also the Ten Commandments have been given. And then there's been the tabernacle. Do you all remember we talked a little bit about the tabernacle, how there's been a cloud that God visits that tabernacle and there's a cloud around it and in it. And then there's also a pillar of fire that leads them through the desert when they don't know where to go. God is leading them in a tangible, physical way. And so that's all still happening on a regular basis. It's just that they've got a clue back into what God has been doing and what God has not ceased to continue to do. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know what I'm saying. God hasn't stopped. And so this is all happening. And two of them remembered who God was, remembered what God had said, and ten of them did not. Now, I don't know if that is some sort of formula But I would say it's at least a warning. That it is easier to follow the path of fear than it is to follow the path of faith. And they are on total opposite directions. And I promise you one is the high road and one is the low road. And you already know that, don't you? Because you know when your faith is at the center, things feel centered. They don't always feel like everything's peaceful out there. But in here, there's peace. And in the midst of it all, you know that God is still in control, but you have to choose to follow that path of faith rather than choosing the path of fear. We're talking a little bit about that today because really that's what happens. And I do want to talk about the missed opportunities whenever we consistently choose a path of fear and wait rather than engage. And so let's keep going here. Let's talk a little bit about this. And I believe this is the tabernacle as we go to our next slide. This is when, Jesus, uh, when God said to make this uh, tabernacle, he says, have them make a sanctuary for me. I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle, all of its furnishings, exactly like a pattern that I will show you. Have them make an ark out of acacia wood. This is when God gives the, 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 the different uh, dimensions and the different rules uh, and instructions for how to make the ark of the covenant. Overlay it with pure gold inside and out. And then put in the ark of the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. This is all happening. And there again is the physical, tangible, reminder of God's presence with his people. And so that's all condensed down from Exodus chapter 25 verses 8 through 16, but you can go back and read that and see that this is really capturing what's going on. So let's go to our next slide as well. And here's your something to learn. We all tend to be the same. God definitely has brought me through before, but what's going to happen now? (laughs) Yeah, he did then, but what's going to happen now? How many of you have ever, maybe not said this, but you've thought it a whole lot, right? Like, God brought me through. He's been good in the past, but I'm scared about now. <laughs> and, and, and I remind you, as I had an opportunity to remind somebody earlier this week, God hasn't brought you this far to just only bring you this far. God's got more still yet to come. It is the walk of faith that he's going through. And Israel was not different, though they should have been, more aware of the presence of God. They had lost momentum, and they had lost confidence. 
And don't ever let anybody tell you that you can choose whatever you want to choose in your spiritual life without paying consequences and losing momentum. I'm here to tell you that there are things in your life that will gain momentum or lose momentum. And your spiritual life is most certainly one of them. And as difficult as it is to put your eyes on things above and not on earthly things, I promise you, it only takes a handful of hours, not even days, for you to lose momentum on going the right path. I'm sure I'm only one guy, but I promise you this has happened in my life. And I'm supposed to be a good guy, (laughs) right? You understand what I'm saying? I'm supposed to care about this stuff. I'm a preacher and it happens to me. Can I get an amen from anybody in the pew today that it's happened to you? Even just an hour, a few hours, and suddenly you've lost momentum on the path that you wanted to walk. Man, I love it because the Apostle Paul had the same problem in Romans 8. The things that I want to do, I can't seem to do them. The things that I don't want to do, I always seem to do those things. He's the Apostle Paul. He's supposed to be a good guy. He's got the same problems as you and the same problems as me. And so let's not ever get it twisted. It's difficult to keep momentum in our spiritual life. All right. I can only imagine (laughs) as God's looking down and as he's watching them come back and go, okay, so it's a really tough spot that we're in here. Uh, Yeah, we're on the edge of the, the promised land, but it looks like there's some bad dudes in there and I don't know what we're gonna do. I mean, I can imagine God going, yo, (laughs) how about you don't do anything but get out of my way and let me take care of this. Check my resume, not your own. Check my resume. And this is what he says. I mean, I can imagine what he would think as you go to this next slide. You can kind of get a few senses of what he would say if you're checking the resume. I promise it's on the next slide. It is. I promise. It's coming. There it is. The plagues of Egypt, that's against the empire that was happening in that time. The, the, the strongest empire on the entire face of the earth, the plagues of Egypt, set them free. The crossing of the Red Sea took natural law and bent it so his people would have the ability to get free. The cloud and the pillar of fire leading every single day and the constant provision of daily food. Don't forget, there's two million people out in the desert. Do y'all know how quickly you can go hungry in a desert when you got to share all the little bitty food that's available among two million people? But it never happened. Why? Because God was always there and always providing. Okay, so let's keep moving here. Check God's resume and realize that when we fear, God is still in the midst of the faith business. In this book, I thought this was a really good book that was published right about the time that the pandemic came out. And he, had, he talks about how there is the fight or flight response, but there's also the freeze response. You guys have all heard of the fight or flight, right? It's fight or flight. Your adrenaline gets up. You kick in and you're like, okay, I'm going to fight or I'm going to run. But that's what I'm going to handle. That's how I'm going to handle this situation. But in this book, he talks about how there is fight, there is flight, but there is also freeze. Now, I'm going to explain freeze and then I wonder if I can get amen. You know, like this is what's happening to these spies. They're on the edge. And they don't want to fight. They don't want to run because that's the desert that they're going back to. So they're right on the edge and they're like, "Ah, we don't need to keep going, but I don't know where we're going to go. So let's just wait right here and figure out what we're going to do. Have any of you guys ever had that happen in your life 
where it's like, I don't want to fight. <laughs> I don't want to take to flight. So I'm just going to freeze right here and see if something changes. Can I get an amen? I mean, y'all have been there. And then a week later, you're still stuck in that same position. A month later, you're still, I'm still not moving because I don't want to fight and I don't want flight. I'm just going to freeze. Here is the problem. Here's the problem. God has brought them to the edge. He's let them look at his promised land. And in the midst of it all, they've frozen. And God says, this isn't a forever decision. You got to move. And they say, well, we're going to choose flight then. And God says, I don't know what else I can show you to show you that I am faithful. But I'm going to let this generation choose to wander in the desert. And this is hard. I'm going to let this generation that will not accept the thing that I want to give them, I'm going to let them wander in the desert for 40 years until the generation that is younger has become the adult generation and they will take possession of the land because they will believe me. So, this is where it kind of gets tough because I'm just going to be honest with you. I would love to tell you that every opportunity that knocks on your door will always be there one way or another. And I'm a guy who genuinely believes that you can go back and change a lot of things in your life, probably more than you realize. I go into it, and I'm not going to because I just don't simply have time. But I'm telling you, even memories are still malleable in the moment. And you can still shape things when you don't always handle them great with your kids or with your boss or with your, you know, your, your wife or husband. All that stuff is still malleable. You can always say, I'm sorry. You can always help to rewrite what's going on and as it's being encoded, you can still work. You can always say you're sorry as well. And that's a big way of starting over and resetting things. But I hate to tell you, but unfortunately, there are some things that knock on your door once and they don't come back again. We know this, right? So the hard thing here is to look at that and go, oh, I think God should have given him more chances. Here's what I really believe. This is just Randy talking to your name in here. <laughs> it's just me and you. Nobody else is in here. It's just me and you, okay? All right, so here's what I think. I honestly think God was prepping them, preparing them, preparing them, preparing them. And I don't think that that two years at the base of Sinai was an accident. I think that two years of Sinai was waiting and they're like, we're going to the, we're going to the promised land. I'm telling you, it's happening soon. It's happening soon. It's, it's coming. It's coming. And then when they literally get up from the place that they are at the base of Sinai and make that trip up to Israel and are there on the edge, it's got to feel like this is monumental. Wouldn't you guys agree? I mean, you know, we know sometimes looking back that something was monumental, but a lot of the time when it's one of those do or die moments, we kind of know beforehand, this is a big deal. I need to be locked in here 
and I need to be acting in the path of faith and not the path of fear or freeze. You guys with me? Y'all know what I'm saying. And so I want to encourage you for all of us this is something we don't need to miss. we got to understand there is a fight or flight. We also have freeze. We don't talk about this one. And often, we don't adequately, adequately think it through. And when I was typing that, it wasn't quite that hard to say. I'm not going to lie. Adequately think it through. Um, here's what I mean. In other words, when you think of freeze, you're like, well, I'm going to freeze so I don't screw this up. But sometimes by freezing, you still mess it up. We don't talk about that, but this is exactly what happens at the edge of the promised land. Let's keep moving here, and let's go to the big idea. We all have opportunities to act in fear or faith, and both have consequences. Here's the thing. In my view, I think most of us think that if we act in faith, there's some consequences that I'm not sure I'm ready to pay. But we accept the fear consequences and don't even think through what that means. You guys understand what I'm saying? Y'all hear where I'm coming from here? If we constantly act in fear, we're becoming something. We're developing something. We're bringing things into our life that we don't want in our life or as a part of our life or as a part of our long-term mental makeup, emotional, spiritual makeup. But if we constantly invite those things in, guess what? They come. (laughs) You invited them and they came. And so we think about what might mean if we act in faith and forget that we're acting in fear and there's also consequences there. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to lay this flat out. I have done both. I've acted in faith and I've acted in fear. And when I've acted in faith... I know this is going to sound like cliche, but I'm telling you the truth. When I've acted in faith, it was hard, like really hard, and then it got easier. And when I acted in fear, it was easier, and then it got harder. You see what I'm saying? And so for us, we have to decide which do we want? And, and I'm going to talk more about it, but there are consequences for both directions of faith or fear, and I want to talk about those. Real quickly, let's just kind of move through these, and I'm going to move through these pretty quickly. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. That's an opinion. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. And I want you to notice this. And about the land that they had explored. And, and yes, that looks like it's all janky with the spacing, but it's there for a reason. Hang with me. Hang with me. About the land that they had explored, they said, The land we explored devours those living in it, and the people we saw were of great size. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Now stop right there, Colin. Okay. Hang right there for just a second. Have you ever noticed that fear gives you a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie, and it's all mixed together till you can't figure out which is which? 
Kids will do that too, you know, but uh, hopefully they grow out of it, right? But, but this is the truth. Like, whenever we look at these things, we realize fear is not necessarily telling us all truth. They're telling us a little bit of truth. So we're like, oh, it must be the truth. No, 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 it's not all the truth. Lots of different things going on. So let's go into this. Let's go to our next slide. They said, the land we explore devours those living in it. Do you all know that that's a lie and a half-truth at best? Y'all, y'all know? Because there were still people living there. So the land didn't get them all, <laughs> right? I mean, the land didn't get them all. There are still people living in there. And then it says, and all the people we saw are of great size. And that's probably true. Now, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That's actually a confession. <laughs> Do y'all see that? Do y'all see that? In other words, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Whenever I stood next to those people, they made me feel bad about me. That's a confession. And then we look the same to them, and that is purely speculation. Because I don't know of God giving any of these 12 spies the ability to read minds. If you got it in your translation, I want to hear it. But I think what they're doing is speculating because of how they felt and putting that on someone else. And I know it's just these 12 spies that do that. None of y'all have ever had a feeling about yourself and put it on somebody else. You feel this way about them. No, I don't. Yes, you do. And then, no, I don't. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? There's so much going on here. It's a lie, a half-truth, some of the truth, a confession, a speculation. It's all mixed in there, and they bought it hook, line, and sinker. I didn't even intend to say this, but there was a great quote that I heard from Seth Godin. He said, we believe some of the things that we hear. We believe a few more things that our friends tell us. We sometimes believe what we read or what we see on television But the problem is we always believe what we tell ourselves. And this is our problem many times because we look like grasshoppers in our own sight because we're only thinking about what we're capable of and not the guy who said earlier in this teaching presentation, check my resume, check my resume, check what I've been doing for two years plus. We forget that God is also a huge part of our equation whenever we follow him. All right, let's keep moving very quickly. Let's talk about this. Feelings of fear and faith. Here's the feels that we get whenever we're dealing with fear or faith. First of all, we're dealing with faith. We feel discomfort. We feel inadequate to the task. We feel like we're doing something that we're not necessarily qualified for. It's discomfort and we feel humbled. We can't do these things. What else do we feel when we're dealing with faith? Let's go to our next slide. And as you see, there's a lack of security and uncertainty. There's a lot of things whenever we're out in faith, we're stepping out of the boat, so to speak, like Simon Peter, and it's uncertain in many, many ways. But let's talk about fear, and I bet you guys understand exactly what I'm about to say here. Let's go to our next slide. It's the treadmill effect that spiritually relationally, financially, emotionally, it's the same problem. You come right up to the edge of the promised land and then you start back because you're afraid to take that final step in faith. And instead you give in to the fear so it takes you right back to the beginning. It's the treadmill effect over and over and over again. Your life spiritually, 
financially, emotionally, relationally, it looks the same as it did before because you're not really changing that last little bit to move in faith. You just continue to embrace fear because it's easier than looking hard at self and looking hard in the mirror and going, I'm here because of me. And so instead, we just go back to the treadmill. All right, let's go to our next slide. <sighs> regret. Can I get an amen for regret? I mean, right? Things I wish I said. Things I wish I'd done. Way I wish I acted. Way I wish I reacted. All of these things. These are the feels of fear and faith. But I've got news to hopefully encourage you on the right path. Let's go to our next slide. Here is the truth. The reality is the treadmill effect, and regret is also a reality. Those things of discomfort and humble and all that, the lack of security, being embarrassed and all that, that stuff fades. I'm telling you, it's, it's not perfect. It's not always. It's not every time. But most of the time, when you're acting in faith, those feelings, those fade. And they're replaced by confidence and, uh, hey... <laughs> I did it for the right reasons. I might not have done it perfectly, but I did it for the right reasons, and God was at work, and I'm trusting God with the results and not me. So that stuff fades, but the fears and their realities don't. You guys understand what I'm saying here? So again, I tell you, go down the path of faith and not the path of fear because that is something that you can't undo. All right, let's move very quickly as we keep moving. There is a great quote by a business philosopher named Jim Rowan, and he basically says, we all must consider, and this is this, the end of the very good quote that he shares, he says, we all must consider that there are two weights that we will carry. One is the weight of discipline to do the right thing when we know it's easier to not. And then there is the, discipline, or the weight of regret. But here is the difference. Discipline weighs ounces and regret weighs tons. I didn't say that really well, so let me try it real quickly one more time. We all must consider that there are two weights that we will carry. One is the weight of discipline, or the other is the weight of regret. But here's the difference. Discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs tons. Let's go to our next slide. Real quickly, what faith really does actually mean, it means that there are blessings of God that are waiting in that promised land. There are hard times. There's a war that's coming but in the gut level, you have peace that you're doing the right things for the right reasons and that God is providing for you. Hard times, but gut level, you've got peace. In faith, there is ultimate victory because even if you do the things that you ought not do, you might succeed and then look around and go, I've reached the top of the ladder but I realize now it's leaning against the wrong building, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's just the wrong goal and the wrong direction of my whole life. And then faith, your destiny is fulfilled as you move forward in faith rather than moving forward in, you guys with me? Fear. Okay, let's keep moving. Here is a big question that I want to ask you. What edge of a better life do you face today? What step of faith do you need to take to move ahead in life? What needs to end? What needs to begin? What needs to be said? What needs to be done? 
Because this is how faith gets put into action. You listen and you say, you know what? The Lord is kind of reminding me of this thing. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I've got a thing that I keep putting off and keep pushing back because I'm kind of at a loss to know what to say and how to rebuild a bridge. Y'all ask me about that next week and see if I did it, okay? I'm serious. Y'all ask me, hey, Pastor Randy, before you get started, let me ask you a question. Did you do that thing? Because I have been needing to do this thing for months. And I just have... (sighs) What is it when you preach against fear and faith and you know you took the path of fear? What does that do to you when you're a pastor? It's not good, I'm telling you. But that's where I'm at. Maybe you can join me. Maybe you're there too. And again, ask yourself these questions. What needs to end? What needs to begin? What needs to be said and what needs to be done in your life so you begin to walk that path of faith instead of the path of fear? Very quickly, we're ending. I apply by making a connection with God regularly and powerfully, making that your consistent pattern of life. In other words, this means Bible study. This means prayer. This means service to others. This means giving of self, whether that's time, talent, or treasure. This means taking action on the things that you say you believe and want to be defined by. These things, there's nothing stopping you from doing any or all of these things, but these are the ways that you can say, I'm taking the path of faith in my life. Okay, so I'm ending right here, and I'm going to ask Brother Hernandez to come forward and jump on the piano and play as we kind of bring this all to a close. Surprise, surprise. Come on up anyway. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, I want to show you guys a picture. Have I told y'all that I'm going to be a granddad? (laughs) Yes, I have. Three times I've told y'all. Okay, but yes, this is my pregnant daughter here on the left. And uh, this is my son-in-law, Mitch, here. Over here is my nephew, Adam, who just got married to Jessica Staples, who was our intern not long ago. That is Mason Polk, who works at Randall University. That's my dad, my hero, and my mom, my wonderful mother, who... uh, sacrificed so much for me. And then there's a baby that's not her baby in the upper left. That's my sister. She's older than me. She ain't having no babies unless God is intervening. Can I get an amen? I mean, woman's in her 50s, right? So yes, this is my sister, Marcy. And I'm kind of putting what she's going through to you because this is a perfect example. And you can kind of understand my sister Marcy has worked for the same car company, um, car sales company and auto group in Oklahoma City for 30 years. That's a long time. They just got sold. Now, can you imagine if you're Marcy and you've worked for the same company, the same people, the same family literally for 30 years? And suddenly, you don't know what's going to happen to your position or any of that stuff. Now, you might have gone through something very, very similar. I don't know. I don't always get to do this, and she never would have ever believed that her little brother, who was such a brat, could actually care about her the way that I do. We've become very close and very good friends. And I love her very much. And I know she has a pastor named Mitch 
but I couldn't let her be facing this stuff and not hear from me. So I called her the other day and I said, I already know you know this. You know this. I'm not about to say a single thing that you don't already know. All I am trying to do here is to remind you of what you already know. And that is that God's got you. That God didn't bring you all this way to just leave you here. And this is the stopping point. God has a plan for your life. And God is at work. And when the uncertainty hits, it's just good to be reminded of the fact that we already know that we live a life of faith. And even when things are hard and uncertain and fear wants to creep in, we push that back with the decision to follow the path of faith first. So I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know... I mentioned earlier, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, financially. There are other things physically. I don't know what you're facing. I just encourage you, the path of faith instead of the path of fear. Invite in those things that put you on the higher road instead of the lower road. Ultimately, God has a plan for your life. You are his child. And as Romans 8.28 tells us and reminds us that God works all things together for the good to those that love him and those that are the called according to his purpose. You've been called according to his purpose. So have I. So has my sister. And at the end of our conversation, I said, I, I love you. I just, I'm telling you these things not because you don't know them. And she said, no, I know them. It's just good to hear them one more time. I'm telling you in the same way. I'm reminding you of what you already know. So as you go this week, whatever needs to begin, whatever needs to end, what needs to be said and what needs to be done, do those things and let's move forward in the path of faith Lord God you are good and your mercy endures forever you are God and we are not worthy of you and yet you still love and direct and lead in our path dear Lord today be with us your people guide us down those paths of faith and help us to grasp and understand the realities of the path of fear that looks tantalizing, <laughs> the pathway of freezing that we think might be the easy way out. May we go in opposite directions of those paths and move instead towards what you have called us to be and do what you have called us to do. God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. And your pathway is the one that brings us health and life and peace. So as Brother Elias is playing, I'm going to ask you just keep your heads bowed. And we're, we're ending in less than 30 seconds. But if you know that the Lord is speaking to you today and you want to make a move towards the Lord... I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but maybe you would like to lift your hand and say, you know what, I, I, do, 
I hear the Lord's words. They're, they're hitting me right in the chest and I'm realizing that I've chosen paths of fear and I want to choose paths of faith. And you want to just simply lift your hand and say, yep, that's where I'm at and I'm making that move. I'm going in that direction. I appreciate that. May God bless you guys. May God bless all of you who have raised your hands. Again, that is for you and the Lord. Take just a moment. I'm going to be quiet and allow you to speak to your Lord right now. each person that raised their hand and each person that is making a commitment right now solidify it and give us courage to follow up on the things that you have laid on our hearts in Jesus name we pray and everybody together said amen God bless you guys thank y'all so much as always love y'all so much it's always an honor to be able to preach and teach God's word with you and to you and may you have a fantastic week as you walk in faith we're going to end the way we always do you guys can say it right along with me we've just heard God's word Now let's go live it. God bless you.